We good? Well, good morning again. And uh, so this is actually going to be part two, I mean part four, excuse me. I had four in my mind, but then two came out. Uh, just uh, of our series, Get the Gospel of the Kingdom. Just before we get started, uh, I do want to make two announcements. I don't have a date for this yet, but we are looking at switching Saturday night uh, Elios to another Karis Bible study. The reason I'm making this announcement is because it's open to anybody, and we will live stream the Bible studies. Um, but what we don't know yet is which book we want to do. We're praying about that. So if people uh, have an idea what book they would like us to do of Andrew Womack's books, uh, just let us know. You can put something up. You can make a comment on uh, Facebook or anyone who's open to that. We're open to do whatever book. We'll be led by the Holy Spirit, obviously, but I'm also open to uh, any any votes on it. Okay, so that will probably start probably, or probably, usually I'd like to promote those about four or five weeks in advance, so we're looking at probably February-ish before we start it. But, uh, but anyway, I want to throw that out there. That announcement would be on two weeks from now, would be the 20th, Sunday morning. That will be our annual meeting. We will have a potluck afterwards. So, well, I'm not potluck, we'll, we'll provide lunch. So we'll talk about it. <laughs> but uh, just, uh, uh, we'll provide lunch. But uh, anyway, there'll be a meeting right afterwards, and it's just a time to reflect on what God's done last year, 2018, and more sharing some vision for 2019. I don't want to focus so much on the past, but we do want to give God credit, and we want to focus on some visions. And we just do this once a year, and it's just a time for us to let the people know, our partners, our friends know what we're doing. We won't live stream that meeting, but if you are here locally, you're more than welcome to come. It'll be right after the morning service. Our board will be here, and uh, so anyway, so hopefully uh, he can make it. If you can't, no worries, we're good. You'll be hearing it enough through the pipeline, what we're doing and what we're going, so, okay? With that in mind, without with with all the commercials, we'll get right into the message. So, we good? Mm-hmm. We good? I feel like I'm a little bit out of breath, so I want to just catch myself up here. So. Okay, so we're going to start off this morning. I'm just going to jump right into it. So, you want to turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Matthew 13. Matthew 13 is where we're going to start this morning. I'm going to read a little bit of context here. And again, we're talking about the gospel of the kingdom of God. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to start with verse 1. Matthew 13, verse 1. It says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And a great multitude were gathered together to him, but he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Now, this is not a major point, but it's just a walk out of the house and here's the multitude. But uh, if you ever notice this, Jesus sat while the people stood. In our churches today, the people sit while the pastor stands. Go backwards, but uh, anyway, just a little bit. No, nothing major. I kind of like it the way we do it, but uh, I just had to. Anyway, verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them, and some fell on the stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, because they had no root, they withered away. 
and some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on the good ground, and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And he who has ears to him, hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11. And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, heaven, of the kingdom of God, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, for their eyes should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you, when that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and they're not hearing it. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of context here. There's a lot of things I could uh, piggyback on, but obviously this is the parable of the seller. I want to uh, make mention here real quick. Um, um, I think it's a Mark's uh, translation of this. Mark 4.11 real quick. He said, he said to them, you. It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things have come in parables. Verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, a couple things I just want to bring out right at the beginning here. First of all, when Mark's testimony of this event, about the parable of the seller, Jesus makes this statement that if we don't understand this parable, we won't understand any of the parables. Now let me just say this about parables. Parables are a natural illustration to illustrate a spiritual point. Sometimes we can read too much into parables and, and try to get too mystical about it, if I can use that word. But it's just a natural illustration to illustrate a spiritual point. There are some spiritual points in this parable of the seller. That if we don't understand this parable, we won't understand other parables according to what Jesus said. We're going to be looking at a lot of parables because Jesus gave a lot of parables about the kingdom of God. And he also says, not only in Mark, but also he repeats this in Matthew. He said, if you, it has... He said to them, to you has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And to those who are outside, all things come in parables. We talked in weeks past from Nicodemus, Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3. When Nicodemus came to Jesus and says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless we, he goes on to say, if we're not born again, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. If we, but I want to focus on that first part. If we are not born again, we cannot understand parables. 
We can't understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. We can't understand, we can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus said to Pilate that my kingdom is not of this world. He told the Pharisees who were accusing him, or asking when his kingdom was going to be established. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'm sure we'll come across this in my notes. But he says, the kingdom of God is not here, and it's not there. But the kingdom of God is within you. If we are born again, not only do we have the kingdom, but we have the king. You already mentioned in your testimony this morning that you met some uh, Jehovah's Witness, and even Mormons, and a lot of these other organizations, if I can call that, they will talk about the kingdom, but they will not embrace the king. Mm. And anytime you have a kingdom, they'll attribute him as a good teacher, but they will not attribute him as their king. And the kingdom has a king. And we're going to embrace the kingdom of God. We need to embrace the king, and his name is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he's our king. And we've, been, we've talked about how the kingdom of God, and we've given this definition in this series, that the kingdom of God is God's redemptive saving rule and reign in our lives. It, it, it's God's redemptive saving rule and reign of our lives. Even the word kingdom is a king, where a king has dominion. It says in Isaiah 9, 9, 6-7, unto us a son is born, like a child is born, unto us a son is given, and it and it says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Verse 7 says, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. We have a king. And his kingdom, and he, Jesus, when we talked in our first week about how John the Baptist went about, and even Jesus went about, and even he commissioned his disciples in the 70 and eventually the church in Mark 16 to go about preaching the kingdom of God is here. Yes, there's a kingdom, we're going to see a, a physical kingdom, one day when we go see with him face to face, when the Lord comes, or when we go be with him. But his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. God's kingdom is here. But we've talked in weeks past, even though God's kingdom is here, we see things in the world that it doesn't look like God's kingdom is reigning. We see a lot of immorality. We see systems of government. We see systems of religion. We see other systems. We see when, when, when sickness is reigning in someone's body. In that situation, in that circumstance, that sickness is reigning. That sickness has dominion. That sickness is controlling what they can and cannot do. Not God's kingdom. When lack is part of, is, 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 is an equation, the lack of funds can dictate what we can and cannot do. Uh, when there's strife and there's, there's divorce and, and all kinds of broken type of relationships and division in, in the body of Christ or whatever the division may be in a family or any organization. Uh, when there's strife and, every, and envy, there's confusion in every angle work. But God has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And it says in Romans 5, 17, that through the one man, Adam, death once reigned. Death had reigned. The, 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 death reigned over our lives. But much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. God's kingdom is here. It's within us. And, but there's a mystery of the kingdom of God. 
and Paul says in Colossians that the mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we're going to get into it. I'm getting a little ahead of myself in my notes. But let, let me just throw this out here just to get this off the surface. Why is it a mystery? And I, I might not necessarily define all the reasons, but I mean one, one of the main reasons why the, 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 the gospel was a mystery because it was a, it was a, it was a mystery to the world. We're going to see this in a few moments when we get to Corinthians. Hopefully we get there today. But, uh, um, but, but um, it was also a mystery to Satan. If Satan had known, because when I talk about gospel, I'm talking about the finished work of the cross. I'm, the gospel is good news. It's, it's news about what God has done. It's not news what we need to do. News is not advice. News tells you what took place. When you read the news or listen to the news, most of it's not good today. But they will focus on what has taken place. Of course, a lot of it now is uh, philosophy. <laughs> it's not news anymore. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're not going to go there, uh, even though I already did. <laughs> but but news is supposed, supposed to be just a, uh, a testimony or a report of something that already taken place. And the gospel is the good news that Jesus, he who knew no sin, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He died and was buried according to the scriptures, it says in First Corinthians 15. And it says that the gospel is the power of God unto experiencing the salvation of God. I lost my, my train of thought where I was going with this, but I'll we'll forget. But why is this a mystery? And why is it a mystery to say, if Satan had known that through Christ's death, and he didn't even realize about the resurrection, but if he known about his death, he says that they would never have crucified the King of Glory. It was a mystery. If he had known, if this was just well known, then they would never have crucified the King of Glory. It was a mystery. And, it, and uh, we're going to bring out, in, in, again, when we get to Corinthians, that to the world, the gospel, and the kingdom of God is foolishness. But to us who believe, it is the power of God. To us, it's the power of God. But to the world, it's foolishness. And people that we try to minister to at times, they're either going to be sheep or they're going to be goats. They're either going to receive it or they're going to reject it. They're either going to see that it's the power of God or they're going to see it as foolishness. There's really no two camps. Some people will try to camp in the middle and they might give a lip service that they believe, but in their heart they think it's foolishness. And so, and unless we're born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. There's a lot of people, uh, and there's a lot of scripture I can bring out with this, but people's hearts have been blinded from the truth. Uh, there's a lot of scriptures I can bring out in Corinthians, in 6, 6 Corinthians 4, it says that, let me just go there real quick, I'm going in a totally different direction, I plan on going, but I'm just going to go with it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, for even my gospel is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age. And I've read that before, and people said, I didn't know that God is God is age blinding people's minds. No, the God of this age is not God. It's lowercase g. It's Satan. It's the devil. It's the evil one. Mm -hmm. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. That's the light of the gospel, the glory of God, of Christ, who. And the gospel is not a it, it's a who. I feel like I'm talking Dr. Seuss anytime I say that. The gospel is a who. 
Uh, but the gospel of who and his name is Jesus, and the God who is the image of God should shine on them. Uh, I wasn't planning on going here, but it just uh, you know, it, there's a mystery. But let me let me get back to our context here, and, and uh, let's go back to Matthew 13. I'll get dizzy as I go back up. Verse 11. And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know that the mysteries of the kingdom of God. When we are born again, our eyes are open. Again, that wasn't planning going here. But did you notice in the fall, when they partake of the foot of the booth, that their eyes were open, they saw they were naked? Mm -hmm. But when we're born again, we can see the kingdom of God. There's almost a reversal. There's opening their eyes. They go back to Luke chapter 24, the road to Emmaus. As they spoke the word to him, as they broke bread, he broke, Jesus spoke bread with the two disciples, their eyes were open and they knew him. Mm. When we are born again, and we cannot not get born again without hearing the gospel, without hearing, throughout the book of Acts, they heard the word of God, they believed it, and were saved. They heard the word of God, believed it, and were saved. Yeah. And uh, I can tie into that. But we have to hear the gospel. We have to believe the gospel. And when we do, we can see the kingdom of God. If we're not born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. I believe there's a lot of people who are born again, but they have not been renewed, they have not been transformed by the renewing of their mind. Their minds have not been fully renewed. And so they are still living naturally when they need to be living spiritually. Is that making sense? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, they, they've heard the gospel, or they've heard a form of the gospel, or they've heard one aspect of the gospel, but they have not necessarily heard, I believe, the full gospel. And that could be, you know, uh, it could be, maybe they haven't they heard the gospel, but they, they haven't heard it regarding healing, or they haven't regarded regarding provision, or whatnot. I want the full gospel, everything that God has provided us for life and godliness. Um, there's a lot I can elaborate on this. I'm getting off track. But uh, this is the parable of the, of the sower. And uh, it says, that, you know, the sower sows seed. And I just want to, uh, I'm not going to go here necessarily, but excuse me as I scroll down. But verse, uh, verses 18 and following, uh, Jesus will explain the parable. I'm not actually going to read those verses, but I do want to highlight verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his. That uh, wasn't it. What I wanted. Um, excuse me. Hmm. I don't, I've seen the verse. Uh, I got off track my notes here, so that's part of my problem right now. Um, but I just want to highlight that the, the seed is the word of God. I can bring that out of schedule. I'm sure we'll catch up. With, I'll catch up with myself here. But the seed is the word of God. And uh, I'm gonna off the track here, but I'm just gonna go with what, 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 what I'm going with. I'm gonna bring out some scriptures here in the context that Jesus talks a lot about what we hear. What are we listening to? Because there are a lot of voices speaking to us. There's speaking. There's voices not only in the world and the media and whatnot, but there's also voices from various churches, from various groups, family, different things. Some don't mean well, some don't mean so well. Um, but it 
just uh, but there's a lot of things that we hear. Before I go here, um, I just want to highlight a couple things. First of all, Mark 4.24. We're going to come back here. And switching gears a little bit now to talk about what we hear. In Mark's account of the parable of the seller, at the end of the parable, he makes Jesus makes this statement in verse 24. And he says, Then he said to them, Take heed. I want to focus on, I don't have a highlight here, but he says, What you hear. Okay? But with the same measure you use it, will be measured to you. And to you, here will be given. Now Mark's translation of, this is after he gives the parable of the sower, Mark records this saying of Jesus, take heed what you hear. And in Luke's translation of the same accord, afterwards, uh, Jesus makes this statement, therefore take heed uh, how you hear. Well, the point I'm making right now, Mark Records Jesus saying, take heed what you hear. And Luke says, record how you hear. I mean, you know that what we hear and how we hear it is important. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can hear the right message, but if you don't receive it. We got the parable of the sower. We got the seed. We got the word of God being sown in various kinds of soil. Some rocky, some stone, uh, thorny, and some don't even, they're just paved, they're just pavement. And then, and then we have good soil. The seed is the, it's the same seed in every different kind of pots of soil. But it's the soil that makes the difference whether this seed is going to produce. That makes sense? Yes. Okay? The seed is not the problem. The word of God is not the problem. John 1 1 says Jesus is the word. Jesus is not the problem. The word is not the problem. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and life. The soil is the problem. And we need to take heed what we hear and how we hear. Let's go back to where we were in Matthew chapter 13. And it says, uh, at the end, after he gives the parable, Jesus makes a statement. You hear this statement all the time in Jesus' teachings. You hear also in Revelation when he addresses the churches in Revelation. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. You know, I saw something on Facebook yesterday. It just kind of intrigued me. But someone did a, uh, made a little post about how in the word heart, in the, the middle three letters of that word is ear. We need to hear with our heart. I mean, you know, we can hear it, but we don't hear it. Mm-hmm. You ever have a conversation with somebody, and they're distracted or whatever? They can be distracted mentally or distracted by something else. They're, they're, the light's on, but nobody's home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, you know, you might as well just be talking to a wall, because they're, in this circumstance, none, no offense, but they're just not listening. Yeah. They're hearing, but they're not hearing. Yeah. You know? Uh, I had a teacher once, I forget which teacher it was, but put your thinking caps on, you know? Uh, one teacher told me in English, he said, stop broadcasting, start, t- start tuning in. Because we're doing all the talking, and he, we're supposed to be listening. But, uh, uh-huh. but he who has ears, let him hear. He says, and the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God and heaven, but the devil has not given to you. How I many you know that faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by the word of God. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. I want to move forward here. Um, and then he, he said, 
And then the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing, you will hear, and shall not understand. Seeing, you will see, and not perceive. Here's the word heart again. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. And notice this phrase. And their eyes, they have closed. Have you ever tried to minister to someone, and they have just turned you off? No matter what, you know, the more you try, the harder they're going to close that flower. They have, they have hearts in their hearts. Now, I know some people that's not the case, and so much they're just ignorant, so whatever the case may be. But some people, they just do not want to hear the gospel. They don't want to hear. Okay? Uh, let's say, see with their eyes and hear with their ears, so they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Verse 16 now. But, but blessed are your eyes, for they see. And Jesus says that the eyes are the lamp of the body. If the eyes are bad, the whole body is full of darkness. But if, if, if the eyes are full of light, how great is that light? I mean, remember that childhood song? Be careful of the ears, what you hear. Be careful of the eyes, what you see. There's a, there's a lot of truth in that. And blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And we'll come back to this in a, in a few minutes, but most assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. What Jesus is saying that there have been many prophets in the Old Testament who would love to have heard and seen what you see and know what you know. The gospel, there's a mystery of the gospel of the kingdom, and the world cannot see it. And we're going to see this in men and Corinthians because they are spiritually discerned. But we, those of us who are born again, not only have we entered the kingdom of God, but we can see it. If we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind, we can see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's even in the church, we're going to see this in a minute, there's people who are deceived. And, I mean, the, the, the hard thing about deception is that you don't know you're deceived when you're deceived. Mm-hmm. That's the scary part about deception. And again, I'm not trying to attack nobody or nothing. I'm just, but I, but, you know, but when someone is deceived, they don't know it. That's, that's the danger. And the things I can read, I can read out, and I read out even in the book of Revelation, that the Satan's number one weapon is deception. He actually has no power. He has been defeated at the cross. But he can deceive us. And he can influence people. And, he, and through that he has power. But let him who hears, has ears, let him hear. Jesus did nothing without hearing from his father. The biggest thing about having devotions every day is not doing some ritual and checking it off your list, I did devotions. The biggest thing about having devotions is having a relationship with the Father and hearing His voice and getting direction. The biggest thing when we're going through a circumstance, even in the middle of the circumstance, as chaotic as it may be at the time, the biggest thing is not hearing His voice. Okay, we're, we're in this mess. Whether we was intentional or unintentional, our fault or not our fault, that, that's besides the point. We're here. We're on the side of the road, or we're in the middle of the road, you know, and, and, uh, uh, and everything, everything that can go wrong seems to be going wrong. The phone's not working. This is not going. No one's being helpful, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. But the biggest thing we can do is listen to his voice. He is our shepherd. He can lead us and guide us. 
and we need to, we can have a miracle. You know, if leftists are only going to say, leftists have become to the corner, or whatever the case may be, God can translate us to the corner, whatever the case may be. God, don't limit God, because the kingdom of God is here. God's kingdom is not of this world. It's not limited by the boundaries of, and the jurisdiction of natural things. The kingdom of God is here. It's within us. And, and uh, I haven't gotten to the heart where I'm trying to get to this morning, but, I'm, uh, uh, but there's a mystery that a lot of people in the church have not seen because their eyes are dull. Their ears are dull. And I'm not picking on them. I'm not condemning them. I'm not judging them. But, but my heart is screaming out, Awake! We, need a, we used to call this term a great awakening. We need an awakening. The way to righteousness is not. We need to awake. It's, it's Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah 52, verse 1. It says, Awake, awake, O daughters of Zion. We need to wake up, and we need to hear, and we need to listen. But how many of you know, God's not the problem. It's not that God's not speaking. One, he's already spoken. But he continues to speak. And if we're not hearing, it's not because God has a mouth problem. It's not like the microphone's not working. There's a reception problem. And, I mean, even in this parable, look at this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony place, this is he who hears. Those who keep praying, all the word is here. Here's the word, and immediately receives it with joy. I mean, you know, people that they receive it with joy. And, and, and some of these people would receive it with joy. They have a lot of enthusiasm. But there's no root system. They're not establishing what they heard. Yeah, he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he receives seed among the thorns as he who hears the word and the cares of this world and deceitfulness. There's deception again. Of riches, chuck the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. And he who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold and some sixty and some thirtyfold. I think some of the difference here is again how much he understands. Jesus has called us not to make converts, but to make disciples. A disciple is a student. Paul says, study to show yourself approved. All scriptures proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that every man of God may be fully equipped for every good work. We are in such a busy, we, most of us have such a busy lives. Again, this is not put down. We're, we're in a busy world. We're in a very fast-paced world. And sometimes if you even take a, a time out to breathe, the world just passes you by. <laughs> and the moment you get off, it's like trying to get back on a running horse. You know, it's just hard. And so it's like you can't even stop, you know, it's like, Pausing the little freeway, whether the car's broken down or not. Puts pausing because you don't know where you're going. You're going to get run over. <laughs> it, and, and that's just an illustration, but that's how life is like sometimes. Everything has a demand on me. And yet, 
But we need to take time to be in the Word of God. We need to take time to have a relationship with the Word of God. We need to take time to see the kingdom of God. Because so many times we are operating our lives on a natural perspective and not a kingdom perspective. The kingdom of God is here. And we are limiting God because we are doing it on our own. Because there's no... That makes sense? And some of us are interchangeable. And we, we, we have pockets of times where we're getting rooted and things are going to grow. And just because we're growing, it doesn't mean that we won't go through tribulation or persecution. Jesus promised we would. But if we don't have any root in ourselves, we're not established. When this, this comes, we will, it will cause us to stumble. Why? Because there's no root system. We've heard, but we need to hear and keep on hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and continuing to hearing the word by the word of God. Mm-hmm. If you study out the tense and everything that's being spoken of, it's not just a one-time hearing. That's how you became born again. But in the same way that we receive Christ, Colossians 2, 6, 7, it's, just, it's still there real quick. I'm going a different direction, but I'm just going with it. Mm-hmm. Colossians 2, 6 to 7. Because as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. I want to I want to toggle a little bit to the King James and I like that. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. There's a colon right here. The colon tells me he's going to explain what walking in him looks like. Being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding during with thanksgiving. There's a lot here. I'm not planning on teaching all this. But it says, as you receive Christ. Did we receive Christ without hearing the word of God? No. So if we're going to be rooted and built up and established in him, we need to continue to hear the word of God. Because where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing the word of God. The word walk, if you study it out, is also, it can be translated as the word abide. Jesus said, abide in me, and my word will abide in you. Ask what you will, and you'll be done. We can't do any, without, without, unless we abide in him, we cannot do anything. Because we're not the source. You can put a light bulb in me, and it won't light up. And I know I just talked about electricity with that illustration, but the power is not me, the power is God. Again, I wasn't going to go here, but it goes to Ephesians chapter 3. Verse, uh, we'll figure out verse 19. And he says, Paul's talking, praying. He's, he wants us to know the love of God. He wants us to have a relationship with the love of God. He wants us to know. This word know, gnosko, is, uh, it means int- intimate. It's the same word used for intimacy. The same word that Mary said to Gabriel, the angel, said, how can this be since I've never known a man? Same word. It's, 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 it's about intimacy, but it's also about experiencing. I want you to experience God. I want you to know God. I want you to be intimate with the love of Christ. It's not so much about knowing how much you love God, but I want you to know how much he loves you. Because this is love, 1 John 4 10. Not that you love me, but that I loved you and became the propitiation for your sins. We love him because he first loved us. Faith works by love. If we're not establishing his love for us, it will not activate faith. Faith will not activate. But to know the love of, he says, I want you to know the love of Christ, which passes just knowledge, intellectual knowledge. Different kind of knowledge here than this word now. 
that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't know about you, and when I talked about the full gospel earlier, that's what I'm talking about. I want the fullness of God. I want all he has for me. This child, this son, was given and born unto me that the government of his kingdom would be on his shoulders. And Christ in me, the hope of glory. And he says, well, when you know the love of Christ, and I mean, you know, how big is God? He didn't say he'll be filled with the son of God. But all this fullness. You cannot get more powerful than being filled with the fullness of God. There is nothing more powerful. There is nothing more fulfilling. There is nothing more real. God is more real than anything temporal here. His kingdom is spiritual. It's not in this world. And if you have, I don't even know if you have the fullness of God. Not only do you have healing, but you have the healer. Not only do you have provision, but you have the provider. Not only do you have salvation, but you have the savior. Not only do you have the kingdom, but you have the king. And the and. He's told us that we can sit with him on this throne. He's redeemed us by his blood, and he has made us kings and priests of his kingdom. But with this, he doesn't stop there. He says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I don't know about you. There's a lot of things I've asked for. But there's a lot more things I didn't thought. Have you ever gotten to yourself, you know, if I just asked, well, it's a, even the things that you think. I don't know about you, but I have some very far-fetched imaginations about some things that I know God has conceived in my heart about what he wants to do. And when God gives you desires of your heart, he doesn't give you a desire that it's just something you can do. It will, if it's from God, it will always be something that only he can do. Because if you can do it, you don't need God. But there's some visions for this ministry. There's some visions for our lives. The enemy has tried to snuff it out. But uh, we're, we're not going there. We're going forward because uh, God has done it. Mm-hmm. And as we commit our way to him, trusting him, he says in verse 5 of Psalm 37, verse 5, Psalm 37, verse 5, says, commit your way to him, trust him, and he will bring it to pass. Mm-hmm. But he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or imagine, according to... The power that worked in us. What power works in us? The king. We, if we have the fullness of God in us, that we can't get you can't get any more power. That makes sense? If you have the king and the kingdom of God is with you, within you, you have all the power you need to do what God has called you to do and called you to be. Not just in ministry, but for your family, for your finances, for your health. If God is able to do according to the power that is working in us. If, I love the King James because it says it work, worketh. That it means it works and it continues to work. It doesn't stop. God, we have a kingdom. We have a living God. And he is alive. And he is well. The same life of God that produced life itself is in us. And it wants to produce life. There's not areas in our lives, maybe our finances, our body, or our relationships that seem to be dead, but we have the living God in us. We have the fullness of God in us. And what, whatever death has tried to reign in our life, we who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. I mean, no, we serve a living God. 
Light is better than death. Love is stronger than hate. Light is stronger than darkness. Scientifically, darkness is just the absence of life. Light. And death is just the absence of life. Hate is just the absence of love. Agape. Agape is not even a verb, it's a noun. It's a person. His name is Jesus. So hate is absence of God. Jesus is light. And Jesus says we are the light of the world. And we have light. We've been translated to have a deep kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We are in the kingdom of... God has given us his fullness so that we can, wherever we go, at Burger King, at CarMax, whatever it might be, we can bring the light of God. We can bring the life of God. We can bring the love of God. Why? Because we are filled with his fullness. And wherever we go, we bring the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is here. We are kings and priests of that kingdom. And wherever we go, we bring the life, we bring the word, and the demonstration of the kingdom of God. We, we come to tell people, repent. Change your mind. Change the way you're thinking. Change the way you're perceiving life. Change the way you're thinking and processing everything. Change your hearer. Change your thinker. Change your eyes. And see that the kingdom of God is here. I understand that this situation has been reigning over your life. I understand that your life is falling apart. I understand that this thing is, is crumbling your life. And it is weighing over you. It's like a weight and it's bringing you down. But the kingdom of God is here. And he's here to bring life and light and love. And, 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 the, and the, the kingdom of God is here to establish. How do you know no matter what other system whether it's a government system or a religious system or some other system or whatever it might be, it's trying to control your life. But the kingdom of God is here and the increase of his government is here to rule and reign over that situation. We just need one word from God and that situation will change like that. Well, he's given us his word. He's given us himself, his fullness. He's given us his power, himself, his life, his life, so that he can work in us. But we need to hear it. We need to receive it. And we need to speak his word. Or we're not situation. We're not telling the God about the situation. No, we're telling the situation about our God. God says, speak to the mountain. Tell it to move. We speak to things. In ourselves, we don't have any power. But Paul says, we're no longer flesh and blood. We are born of the incorruptible seed of Christ. We are born again. That making sense? Yes. Making sense? Mm -hmm. I got way off my nose, but I, I think it helped coming out good. Yeah. I gotta get as far as I want to today, and that's fine. Go with me to Ephesians chapter one. I'm still my introduction. <laughs> but I know I'm not gonna finish what I had planned, that's fine. I mean we have plans, but as we talked about earlier, sometimes we have Holy Spirit interruptions. Yes. And sometimes those are better. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, we can make plans, but God has the right to alter those plans, even without, uh, without notice. That's right. He orders our steps. Amen. <laughs> Paul's praying again here in uh, Ephesians 1. But uh, he says, uh, let me just pick it up here. Okay. Where I also have that I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love of all the saints. Cease now to give thanks for you, making mention to you in my prayers. Verse 17. 
Now, Paul is praying this. When I hear that Paul is praying something, he, he's pouring his heart. He wants us to get something. He wants us, he thinks, as I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. There's a lot there. When we are born again, we can see the kingdom of God. There's a mystery in the kingdom of God. And I haven't fully unraveled that whole mystery yet. But, uh, but, there, but part of this, when our eyes are open and we know who we are, we know the Father of glory, we have a relationship with Christ Jesus our Lord. It is through that relationship, it is through that seed, that we begin to get the spirit of wisdom. Yeah, that wisdom can be used in a lot of different ways. Not only the, the, that, the, we'll see in a minute, we're not going to get there today, but in Corinthians... But when we read in Corinthians, when we get there, you know, the wisdom of God is the gospel. But at the same point in time, there can be sometimes we're in a situation where we do not know what to do. In the natural, there's not even an out. There's not even an option. But I mean, no, the spirit of wisdom is awesome. Because I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how, how dead it seems. We have the light of God, we have the life of God, and we have the spirit of wisdom, and God can recognize. If we need a miracle, we know we can get a miracle. Mm -hmm. God's got to give us some chariots of fire so we can get transportation, then so be it. <laughs> you know, Elijah wrote on it, we can write on it. So, um, but anyway, may, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. See, those who are not saved, those who are not born again, they, they don't have the spirit of wisdom. They don't have the revelation and knowledge of him. They don't have it. They can't have it. They're not born again. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot get this revelation. Uh, they're spiritually discerned. They, it's going to be foolishness to them. When you pray, that the eyes of your understanding, remember the seed, they not only heard the word, but they understood it. The eyes of your understanding, being enlightened. You know, sometimes I'm praying that too. The people I'm minister, trying to minister, trying to pastor, trying to teach, and they're, they have questions. They're not challenging the message, but they're frustrated because they're not understanding it. They want to understand it, but they're not understanding it. And so they're frustrated a little bit. That makes sense? I don't know if you've been there, but there have been times I've been there in my devotions and think, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why this is. There's a truth here. I'm not getting it. I don't know why I'm not getting it. And I'm praying, Lord, open their understanding. Open that understanding so they can see the revelation, the truth that you want to get. And when I finally got the understanding about righteousness all my life, I thought righteousness was right doing and not right, right being. I understood it. I thought it was a verb, but it's a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. I am the righteousness of God in him. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he did. I received his righteousness. I don't do my own righteousness to become righteous. No, I receive his righteousness. Yes, I still live righteously because that's who I am. An apple tree produces apples because it's an apple tree. But it doesn't produce apples to become an apple tree. That's backwards. Yeah. That's ludicrous. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. See, time and harvest. But I'm praying that your understanding would be enlightened. And it's only by the Spirit of God that our understanding can be enlightened. That we may know. And why is our understanding being like that? We may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There's a lot of people, they're born again, but their understanding has never been.
been enlightened to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. They have never been enlightened to know the hope of this God. They've never been enlightened to know what the hidden inheritance in the saints. Some people understand they have never been enlightened. They think that they have to put up with the sickness. They have to put up with this trouble. No! The kingdom of God is here! It says in, it says in uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 23, that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing the sick, and, and said, I'm paraphrasing, but said, the captives free. You can read it. We taught on this last few weeks. But he's, he went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then the very next phrase that he went to go heal the sick. It said that several times in, in Matthew's letters that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing the sick. If we're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom, it's going to there's going to be things that are going to follow that. Because the gospel of his kingdom, Christ has already provided healing. He's already provided holiness. He's already provided salvation. He's already provided provision through the cross. We have an inheritance. He's already, Psalm 103, verses uh, 1 to 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits, who... He, who forgives all my sins and heals all of my iniquities. Both in the Hebrew and the Greek, the word all means all. It doesn't mean some. It doesn't mean everything but this one. It means all. And I don't know about you, but I want all the benefits. I want all the inheritance that is in, that's mine in Christ Jesus. You know, when a kingdom, a king takes over the kingdom, he wants to rule that kingdom. He's not okay if the people say, King, you can rule everything but this area. No, that's not, not going to go. Now, we're not here to micromanage people, but we are here to say that some things are just not welcomed in this kingdom, and that's the thing that Jesus, Jesus conquered, Jesus defeated, Jesus paid for. Jesus took away our sin. He took away our sickness. He took away our pain. He took away our lack. He has provided everything we need for life and godliness and the knowledge of him. See, our understanding that we would know. In the knowledge of him, First Peter, Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 says that grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of him. That through this knowledge of him that we might receive everything that pertains to life and godliness. That through these promises we may, we, uh, I'll have to get there in a minute, but through these promises we may escape the corruption that's in this world. Part of the corruption is in the world of sickness. Sickness does not come from God. Lack did not come from God. The Adam never experienced any of these things before the fall. But after the fall, he did experience them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. All these things are curses. Jesus never laid hands on someone and said, Let me bless you with leprosy. Let me bless you with some blindness. No, those are, that's not. God cannot be tempted with evil, it says in the, in the book of Zephaniah. God cannot do uh, unrighteousness, He cannot do evil. God is not going to bless you with sickness anymore. He's going to bless you with some addiction. It's just not. It can't happen. God doesn't operate that way. God, God, God. Even in the book of Deuteronomy, you have the first fourteen verses of Deuteronomy twenty-eight that talks about all the blessings that we have, and the last several verses talk about all the curses that Christ has redeemed us from. And we we have an inheritance in the saints. We have an inheritance in Christ, and we need to be enlightened. The, the full gospel. Um, he goes on to say, and he wants us to be open to that we would know, and what is exceeding greatness of his power towards us who, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. 
which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heaven places. There's a lot I can read here, but how many of you know that God wants us to be enlightened, that we can know our part? This is the part I'm going to get to. Thank you, thank you. Sorry, going back and forth. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also now which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all. There's that fullness, that phrase fullness, the fullness of him that fills all in all. But how many of you know that God had given us such an inheritance that is far above all other principality and power? I don't care what principality and power, I don't care what it is, I don't care if it's the spirit of division, I don't care if it's the spirit of poverty, I don't care if it's the spirit of, of a, some spirit of infirmity. It must bow to the name of Jesus. It must bow to the king of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is within us. And every day, every kingdom, every government. We have, I don't even know, there's a lot of governments. When I say government, it's a system. Any system that is controlling or ruling. I mean, you know, government, uh, when I, just with the term government, may not be some necessary some uh, system of government as we know, like in our state and our, and our country. But I mean, there are a lot of religions uh, have, a, have a system of government. I mean, there are some cliques and some, and some employments and some, um, there's some bureaucracy, there's, there's, there's control, there's bullying in, in one another system of government. And something that's controlling. But if it's controlling, if it has dominion, it's operating as a kingdom. That makes sense? If something is controlling you, whether it be an illness or finances. I mean, you know, we don't serve money. Money serves us. Mm-hmm. We don't serve the God of Mammoth. It must bow to our feet. We're not God, but he has put all things underneath his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. He's the head and we're the body. But so many times we operate as the head is separated from the body. If you have a headless body, you have a dead body. (laughs) It's called being decapitated. But Jesus is not decapitated from his church. How do you know that my feet are not connected to my head? My feet are connected to the body. He has put all things underneath his feet. We are his feet. We are his hands. The feet, in this, the feet is not the head. The feet only go where the head tells us to go. But he, we are, it's part of the same system. And the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is within us, his church, his body that he has brought with a price. I wouldn't even go here, but I keep coming back to my mind. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. And I'm going to wrap it up here in just a minute.
I've been thinking about missing me and me contacts. I don't have time to read it all right now. He says, I'm Jesus Christ, a faithful witness, and the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. How many of you know that Jesus is the ruler over all the kings of the earth? I'm not just talking about someone on some national throne. But anything that's trying to rule over you, it's a king. And he rules over all the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God, and Father to him, glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Go with me to Revelation 5, verse 9. Again, I don't have time to go into all the context. I've talked this many times. But they sing a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God. We shall reign with you. We who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we are destined to reign in life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? We've been redeemed by His blood. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. His child, this Son, has been given unto us, has been born unto us, and the government shall be upon His shoulder. This child is in us. We God said, it's my father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is not here but there. My kingdom is not in this world. My kingdom of God is within you. Just before Jesus was ascended, he spent 40 days before he was ascended after the resurrection speaking to disciples about the kingdom of God. It says that in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And that's why the disciples asked, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of God to Israel? And it sounds like he's not answering the question. He says, but you shall receive power. You should, that word power, dunamis, when I looked it up recently, I, it's a miracle-working power of God that is inherited by nature. The miracle-working power of God that is inherited by nature. We are born again. We have a new nature. And in that new nature, we have inherited the, the dunamis power of God. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, into the innermost parts of the world. Where do we start? Jerusalem. We start here. We start where we're at. We start with our circle of influence. And if they won't listen, in a sense, shake off your dust and off your feet and go to someone who will hear you. Uh, I'll close with this. Matthew, Matthew 10. Translation, but anyway, but he goes when he's talking about shaking off, go from city to city, home to home, to home and they won't receive you, shake out the dust of the kingdom. And he goes on to say, he says, and and tell them that the kingdom of God has come by you, the kingdom of God has come near you, to you. Folks, the kingdom of God is here. I didn't get as far as I want to, but the kingdom of God is. We're going to go into it. We're trying to talk in the same context of Matthew 13. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. He goes on in the very next verse. He says, the kingdom of God is like leaven. I mean, I've ever, ever worked with Elise. She works all the time. 
it's, it's amazing when she puts that yeast in that dough. Just in a few hours, it's just a, it's a rise. But the kingdom of God is like leaven that will leaven the whole lump. It's hidden in us. And it will leaven the whole thing. If we understand the kingdom of God, if we not understand, we're going to think different. Our attitude is going to change. Our body's going to change. Our finances are going to Our finances now are better than they've ever been. And we're not making, we're not doing anything different. And there's other things about uh, physically. I haven't had a, a cold or a flu or anything since 2009. It, it, there are times it wants to come in, yes. And there are times where I can feel my immune system getting down and, and that tickly throat wants to come in. But I rebuke it in Jesus' name and it's gone. The kingdom of God is here. It works. It's alive. And whatever we're going through, whatever the situation may be, he'll give us the wisdom to get through or he'll give us the supernatural power to, to get 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 through whatever got to be done. But the kingdom of God is here. We are not subject to the systems in this world or the circumstances. We are subject to our king. And he is within us. There's a lot more I can expound on this. And we're going to look at even next week, the parable of the tares. One thing, and let me just say it with this. One thing about the tares is that the tares grow simultaneously with the wheat. The wheat field is the church. And sometimes you can't tell the tares from the but he says, don't pluck it out, because otherwise you pull out the good seed too. But they grow side by side. One is full of nothing, and one is, is, is has a real thing. But they look alike, they talk alike, they dress alike, they worship alike. But one are tares and one are not. Mm. If you study out, and even with farmers, cows will spit out the tares, but they'll eat the wheat. But you won't, you won't even know to harvest them. But the, 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 the top part, what we call that, is hollow. There's nothing inside. There's no wheat. And it's actually got a black head. But you don't see that black head till the end. You don't see it when it's growing up. But, and so there's people even in the church. Their eyes are dark. And understanding is dark. And you can't see them. It's not our job to pluck them out. Because they're going to coexist. But um, um, I'll talk more about this next week. Mm-hmm. But he does the kingdom. He talks about the parable of the tares, and, and, and the midst of all this, he talks about that. Mm-hmm. And we know there is a way, and very few will find it. Many will say to me, "Lord, Lord, I've done all this in your name, but I never, I never had a relationship with you. You didn't hear me then." Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about this. Some of that can be very sobering and hard to digest. And I don't want to focus on so much on that. But the kingdom of God is here. It's within us. And who are we? Are we sheep or are we goats? Are we building our house on the rock or building on the sand? Are we like the, with the ten virgins, five who had oil, five who did not? Mm-hmm. We have something within us. We have an oil. We have a power. We have a kingdom of God within us. Mm-hmm. And, and the ten virgins, they, they didn't look any different. But one knew what they had. They were ready. We were prepared. And anyway, um, Lord, we worship you. We exalt you. We magnify you. We speak a blessing on the rest of our day and on the rest of our week and over the things that concern us. Bless it, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I pray that you would give us all a better revelation of the kingdom of God. Not just so we can know what we got, but that we can use what we know that we have. We can't use it. We don't know we got it. But, Lord, we can do it. And, Lord, you, your apostles, 12 men, 12 unlearned men, turned the world upside down because that they knew the kingdom we can change our world, we can change our circumstances and different things. We can't change everybody because some, some just won't listen. 
But we can change those who will listen because of the kingdom of God is here. We worship you, we magnify you. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Mm -hmm.